Thank you for downloading this episode of our podcast. Hi, and welcome to the podcast for Solomon Staircase Masonic Lodge number 357, where we talk about all things related with Freemasonry, including Hermetic teachings, philosophy, reason, spirituality, and much more. We're located in Buena Park, Southern California. Tune in as we continue to update our podcast with informative talks and articles for Masons worldwide and those who would like to inquire within. The following article is from the September 2001 Scottish Rite Journal of Freemasonry, Southern Jurisdiction, USA. The title of the article is What is the First Benefit of Freemasonry? Written by Kwame Akwa, 32nd Degree. What is the first benefit of Freemasonry? This is not a trick question. Rather, it is asked to draw attention to the importance of a custom central to Freemasonry. Let us begin with a definition. A benefit is an act of kindness, a favor conferred, or anything that is advantageous to or for the good of a person. In this light, Freemasonry offers many benefits. But what is the first benefit? To be elected to membership in a lodge is in itself a benefit. In accepting us, the fraternity validates our sense of self-worth and it welcomes us to Masonry's door and admits us to the craft's privileges. Subsequently, during and following each degree, we are embraced by true and trusty friends upon whose fidelity we can rely. That is another benefit. A third key benefit is the opportunity to pursue our self-improvement by learning and adopting a system of morality which encourages us to live a highly moral life, guided by the tenets of brotherly love, relief, and truth. We gain from the knowledge that wisdom is attained by degrees and through contemplation, and this is imprinted on our minds as we are encouraged to attain suitable proficiency at various stages on our journey towards the East. Through intellectual, moral, and philosophical studies and practices, we develop our whole persona and gain an appreciation of truth, thereby fitting our minds as living stones for that spiritual building, that house not made with hands eternal in the heavens. The tenet of brotherly love that urges us to conciliate true friendships with all good men without regard to race, country of origin, sect, and opinion is also among the primary benefits of Freemasonry. The warm fellowship, fraternal regard, and occasions for exchange of information and ideas enjoyed among Masons are viewed by many to be treasured resources. Yet another benefit is the provision of relief to our brethren and, more especially, our willingness to extend charity to all humankind. We are taught that the act of giving engenders blessing to the giver as much as to the receiver. Financial aid, moral support, and other forms of assistance to worthy distressed master masons, their widows and orphans, and others less fortunate, confirm our belief that we are all children of God with responsibilities to each other. By such acts, we give meaning to the contention that ours is a brotherhood of man under the fatherhood of God. There are many more benefits. Some are available to us in consequence of how our lodges operate. As we attend meetings and participate in the governance of our lodges, we gain insights into democratic practices, not only through frequent elections, but also by our adherence to internal order and self-governance, equality, justice, fairness, meritocracy, and freedom of thought and speech. Our lodges also helped us to improve our communication and leadership skills by teaching us, often imperceptibly, the art of speaking, listening, and thinking on our feet, as well as the management and administration of institutions. The list of benefits we enjoy in Freemasonry is, obviously, extensive and more than could be discussed in this article. 
However, for our present purpose, the question to be answered is which of the manifold benefits qualify as the first benefit of Freemasonry? It is my view that none of the benefits we have reviewed qualify for that appellation. In fact, the first benefit of Freemasonry is to be found in one sentence in the ritual of the Entered Apprentice degree. The sentence, addressed to the candidate, instructs him thusly. You will therefore kneel for the benefit of Lodge Prayer. The benefit of Lodge Prayer is the first benefit of Freemasonry because it is the first gift of love the candidate receives upon his first admission into a Masonic Lodge. This benefit marks the true beginning of the ceremony that will take the candidate from darkness into light. The candidate is granted this benefit before he is allowed to engage in the great and important undertaking of initiation. It is a benefit of Freemasonry because it is a gift offered by the Lodge to the candidate, a favor freely conferred by the Lodge. Why is the Lodge prayer and not election to membership the first benefit of Freemasonry? Because the former takes place within the Lodge, in the presence of the candidate, after he has knocked at the West Gate and it had been opened unto him. While the election to membership is important and precedes the Lodge prayer in time, it occurs in the absence of the petitioner, the soon-to-become candidate. Only the ceremony of entrance introduces the candidate to the new world of masonry and prepares him to receive its first benefit. Significantly, the fact that the first benefit of Freemasonry is a lodge prayer informs the candidate about the centrality of deity within the craft and the importance of prayer in a mason's life. All masons believe in a supreme being, and Freemasonry fosters the study and understanding of God and man's relation to God. Although Freemasonry is not a religion, it inculcates religious thoughts, sentiments, and duties, and it requires the presence of the volume of the sacred law upon the altar in a Masonic Lodge. For a vast multitude of Masons, the Supreme Being is a God who answers prayers. Thus, the invocation of God's blessing on a candidate that he may become a true and faithful brother among Masons. The candidate is also admonished to heed the power of prayer and to invoke the blessings of deity in all his laudable undertakings. The candidate later discovers that Masons of all faiths pray together during the opening and closing of the Lodge. The lesson for him is that our order places a high premium on prayer and inculcates religious toleration by uniting good men of all faiths. Prayers are essential to every Mason. They bring him to the knowledge and love of God and serve as his invitation to God to intervene in his life and daily affairs. A Mason, therefore, sees himself in the same light as the psalmist who said, As for me... I will call upon God, and the Lord shall save me. Evening and morning, and at noon, will I pray. Prayers may be formal or informal, public or private, but they must be attended with seriousness, devotedness, and humility. The Reverend Dr. Norman Vincent Peale, 33rd degree Grand Cross, in his book The Power of Positive Thinking, noted, The secret of prayer is to find the process that will most effectively open your mind humbly to God. Any method through which you can stimulate the power of God to flow into your mind is legitimate. In other words, we can pray anywhere and anytime, provided it is done with a sense of purpose. As Charles Spurgeon has observed, we cannot all argue, but we can all pray. We cannot all be leaders, but we can all be pleaders. We cannot all be mighty in rhetoric, but we can all be prevalent in prayer. In sum, to pray with other Masons or by ourselves is to give meaning to the first benefit we receive in Freemasonry. The following article is from the October 1999 Scottish Rite Journal of Freemasonry, Southern Jurisdiction, USA, and is written by Jim Tresner, 33rd Degree, Grand Cross. 
The title of the article is Pit of Deception or Holy Grail. And the reason I chose this one to kind of tie it in with the other one is they both talk about benefits of masonry. Speculation, the attempt to develop insight, is the real benefit of masonry. You will find it throughout the ritual. Masonry is a speculative and moral science and philosophy founded in an operative art. By speculative masonry, we learn to subdue the passions, act upon the square, keep a tongue of good purport, maintain secrecy, and practice charity. It leads the contemplative to view and re with reverence and admiration the glorious works of the creation and inspires him with the most exalted ideas of the perfection of his divine creator. I learned the difference between operative and speculative masonry. Speculation is a simple word. The dictionary says it derives from the word for spy out or examine, which in turn derives from the word for watchtower, which derives from look. And it says that speculation means to meditate or on or ponder a subject, to reflect. The ritual seems to suggest that speculation is important to masonry. Some have gone so far to say that it is the duty of a mason. Others suggest that it is, at best, a waste of time. To some Masonic thinkers, speculation is a pit of deception, an excuse for sloppy thinking, at best a somewhat disreputable excursion into self-indulgence. To others, it is a holy grail, not only a positive good in itself, but also a source of even greater benefits. I'm firmly in the holy grail camp. Speculation seems to me to be one of the primary ways in which masonry does its work. It is important to have the solid information, the knowledge of history, including the history of the ritual and the history of the symbols. Those are working tools. But the real reward and purpose of masonry, for me at least, is what happens then, when the mind takes those symbols and plays with them. The conclusions have validity, if any, only for the individual speculator. That's why the warning is repeated over and over again that each person must interpret the symbols of Freemasonry for himself. But it is the speculation and the attempt to develop insight, the aha experience, which is the real benefit. I think the ritual supports that point of view. To me, one of the most astonishing, mind-rocking statements ever written in English is found in the Staircase Lecture of the Fellowcraft Degree. Think about what these words are really saying. You have, this evening, my brother, pressed beneath your feet, transmounted and transcended, all the powers and passions, the senses and sciences of man. Wow. Now I'll pause there and say, for California ritual, that's nowhere near in the, that's nowhere in the ritual. And back to our regularly scheduled article. A mason is supposed, that says, to go above and beyond everything that science can teach him beyond, in fact, everything which his senses can tell him, he is supposed to be able to operate with insight, inspiration, and intuition. I have a long way to go, but what a goal. What a wonderful, ego-shattering, spirit-soaring goal. But why is speculation important? And why is it more important, I believe, than just historical research and accuracy alone? Because science discovers fact, but speculation discovers truth. The two are very different, and both are very important. I want my doctor well-grounded, in fact. I want him to know the causes of disease and the medications which treat them. But I also want him well-grounded in truth, and I want him to understand the almost mystic power of a good bedside manner, to understand his patients respond almost as much to his personality as they do to his medications. I want my lawyer well-grounded in the law, but I also want him well-grounded in ethics. Science discovers fact, not truth. Fact is generally verifiable by observation, direct or indirect. 
If I assert the fact that under a given set of circumstances, water freezes at 32 degrees Fahrenheit, you can check the statement with a thermometer. It is the essence of science, fact, that it is observable and repeatable, and that it works regardless of the personality of the individual making the observation. King Solomon or Groucho Marx would have had the same results with a thermometer as you do. If I have any argument with science, it is that. Truth is not verifiable in the same way. If I say it is better to be honest than dishonest, there is no thermometer by which you can measure the truth of the statement. You have to speculate. You have to compare that statement to other things you believe to be true and see if it fits or contradicts. You have to ponder the concept of honesty and see where those reflections take you. If you are lucky, the reflections may lead you in the direction of an additional truth or even a greater truth. That is to say, if you are lucky, or perhaps skillful, you may develop an insight. You may operate by intuition. You may even receive inspiration. Masonry works by truth, not fact. The symbols and allegories are designed to help you discover the truths of human nature and spirit, not history or biography. Both history and biography are important, of course. They provide the context and are worthy and significant in their own right. But there are far better sources for learning about Jerusalem in the time of Solomon than the ritual of the lodge. If you try to add an anchor to a beehive, you will get nothing but wet bees. But if you add the symbolic meaning of the beehive to the symbolic meaning of the anchor, you can speculate on the results of a steadfast faith united with or expressing itself through hard work and cooperative industry. Are all speculations equally valid? Of course not. Can we make mistakes? Certainly. But that, too, is part of the process. Perhaps the most eloquent statement I have ever seen on the importance of this process of speculation comes from the Symbols of Freemasonry by Daniel Berezniak. The act of becoming as a metamorphosis. This concept underscores Masonic thought. A metamorphosis takes place during a journey through different landscapes, among forms and colors, during which each of us is transformed. Those who undertake this adventure come out of it with varying rewards, depending on the landscape they visit, their approach, and what they make of it and how much of it they see. A journey of initiation is not a package tour. There are no signposts. The risk of becoming lost, of sliding back when attempting to go forwards, is what gives life to the unexpected. The intertwining of danger and promise creates the possibility of understanding and allows the idea of freedom to be considered a moral value. The way in which Freemasonry uses symbolism gives us in insight into the word itself. Masonic symbolism is based on the notion of building. Building, becoming, making, to make, is understood as to make something of oneself. This approach forges a relationship between the physical roads we walk along in the city on our way home and the spiritual paths which each of us lead between our desires and our fears and our thoughts. Freemasons delve into myths in order to understand how the human mind works with a view to becoming free people, which is to say people who act rather than react. Speculation is a fuzzy process, no doubt of that, but it is also much more of a holy grail than a pit of deception and it is one of the most rewarding challenges of man. Thank you for listening. If you like what you heard, please subscribe and leave us a comment. We enjoy hearing from our listeners. If you really like what you heard, share this podcast with your friends and lodge members. Visit us online at solomonstaircase.org.